Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I almost said welcome back to a new episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That is not correct. <laughs> I'm your host, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we are operating on daylight savings time bullshit today, so that's just how it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, people, will, you, when you listen to this, you'll know it was like, what, a month ago, and the, it yeah, it's that awful time of the year <laughs> where yeah. like it, it sucks. There's so many other times or other intervals that I would like it. Yeah. <laughs> like right now there's a comic I'm really, really excited for coming out and it's not going out until April 15th. And it, like, so, and about two months ahead of it coming out, I was like, I started a countdown on Twitter and it's where I, I mark every day. And it's definitely like, it, it's something that, theoretically like if i could just sleep for two months or for you know whatever <laughs> that'd be pretty pretty cool just be able to wake up and you get the thing that you've been excited for but when it's just an hour yeah. there is no benefit it's only it's it, it's a loss either way you know and what, it's what? just enough to like make you feel a little hungover and fuck you up a little bit where you just feel off like I don't yeah. know why it was so much harder for me to wake up this morning than, and normally I'm up at like seven, but for some reason I just could not get up at like nine 30. <laughs> no, I, I, I know I, I substitute talk. Like most days I'm up between like five and six. Like I, I, I might not be like up and Adam getting stuff, but I get up pretty early unless like my sleep is totally wrecked. And I, I subbed on Friday. So I had to get up pretty early to, to get, you know, on mass transit and get to the school I was at. And it, w it was an easy day of work, I'd say, like as far as like physically draining, but just getting up early, using mass transit to and from, and the weather was constantly shifting lately here. <laughs> like I, I, I felt so exhausted. Like I was dead tired, but couldn't get to sleep Friday night. So I slept in really late yesterday. And I think if I didn't have this stolen hour, I'd be okay today, but instead I'm still exhausted. <laughs> like just because yeah. <laughs> that last little bit of rejuvenation was robbed of us, which yeah. I feel like that's sort of the state that the characters in Shield are at where we're at with this episode. <laughs> where they all feel exhausted. Like like it's it, it's that three seasons in one thing. Like like mm -hmm. I do feel like now now we're steadily into the second third of it, like these characters are feeling that momentum a little bit. Like they haven't had any breaks. There's no there's there's no downtime yeah, this season. Definitely <laughs> been a marathon <laughs> and a sprint <laughs> all in one. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. Uh, before we get started, we are a part of the But Why Though podcast community, so be sure to check them out on Twitter at But Why Though PC uh, and their website But Why Though Podcast dot com. And if you haven't listened to our bonus episode with Kate Sanchez, uh, where we talk about Robbie Reyes and his Chicano identity, you should go do that because it's amazing and it was a really good conversation. And I I think both of us thoroughly enjoyed talking to her because she's just she's just a good podcaster a good friend to talk to about absolutely kind of stuff, i think it was great insight and like on another like maybe maybe purely self uh like, like patting yourself on the back satisfying sort of uh way or, i don't know it, it maybe slightly selfish uh <laughs> end of it i appreciated like a lot of the stuff that we just floated out there while we were talking about the first third of the season and Robbie that we were like, Hey, maybe this has something to do like based on our experiences and knowledge yeah. of, of, you know, uh, of Latinx and, and Chicano culture. Like maybe this is pertinent. And like, I, I think we did a good job of 
making logical inferences or suggestions without like saying, yeah, this is definitely, we, we know what we're talking about, you know, <laughs> while we were watching and, and just kind of speculating or discussing and then to have it confirmed. And, and also I think like just further explained and, and analyzed by someone who actually has a very real perspective, I thought was really, really great. And, and like you said, just in general, She's awesome to talk to, and is very knowledgeable on pop culture and comics. And like, this is this is an area where she's an expert for sure. And it was a, a great benefit for us to have her on. Absolutely, and she's just a good editor in chief and podcast mom. <laughs> like Kate and Matt take pretty good care of us. I feel oh for sure. So if you have a podcast and you wanna, or if you wanna be a writer, or you are a writer and you wanna join, but why though? Highly recommended. Um, Go at Kate at Oh My Myth Randier. I don't know what Matt's at. It's like DM Matt or Dat Matt or something like that. <laughs> I don't yeah, I, I recognize it when I see it. It's one of those. Yeah, he likes to stay a little bit under the radar anyway, so it's fine. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, highly recommend teaming up with us because lots of good stuff always coming out. I, f- I feel like But Why Though is like one of the like fan sites that I've seen that just grow so exponentially over the past year. Like they worked really hard to like really make But Why Though a good community, first of all, and then just like good at getting people on and keeping people, I think, (laughs) which is hard to do, I think, especially when, you know, it's volunteer. We're not really paid, you know, to do this um, because. I, we, I think Kate and Matt would love to pay us, but it's just not reality. As as someone who's trying to get a website up and started, I understand. SWRepMatters.com <laughs> uh, is still under construction. Hopefully by the time this episode comes out, it will be fixed. But yeah, you should go check that out too once it's fixed. Don't check it out now. <laughs> check it out. <laughs> yeah, not when it's, not when it's down. <laughs> yeah, we got hacked by some Chinese hackers or something, and it's been a fucking nightmare to try and fix. Anyway. We're not talking about that today. We are talking about <laughs> season four, episode 13, titled Boom, um, written by Nora and Lilla Zuckerman. I don't know if I've seen their names before. I feel like I yeah, have. I, I don't, yeah, I don't remember for sure, but it definitely, whether it's their first or second time, it's another instance of, uh, of familial benefit or maybe positive nepotism. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, they're a, a sister writing team, which is pretty cool. I always am curious about that because like the Russo brothers, the um, what's the other filmmaker brother duo that I'm thinking of? Oh, the Cohen brothers? Yeah, Cohen brothers. What, and the, the Wachowski siblings? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like what happens if you like don't get a lot, like you could take on a project and you're like, I'm not really about this. Like what if you want to do it solo? Like Especially for people <laughs> like the Wachowskis or the Coens who are like in their 50s and 60s and whatnot. Like, yeah, they've been doing, they've been it, doing for it for so long. Yeah, their whole adult lives. It's like I love my brothers. I've worked with one of them lived with lived with both like as adults but like i don't i don't know about that (laughs) that's a lot of commitment i mean i guess they're like business partners as well so it's like a different vibe or it's like a different commitment in that sense but but like what if you did want to be like what if nora wanted to go write an episode of shield and lilla didn't want to be a part of that like what no does lilla have to come along anyway because it's part of their like business it's Uh, very interesting for sure and like a lot of these situations they're they're all behind the camera. But then that makes me think of like the Duplass brothers who do a bunch of indie films together and they yeah. write and direct them all, but only one of them 
only Mark is really an actor. And like, that's gotta be weird to have like, yeah. oh yeah, you, you know, you know, you're going to be pretend, you're going to pretend to be married to Leslie Bibb and I will never be on screen my whole life. I'm nerdy. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's, that's gotta be kind of weird. Like, <laughs> oh my God. That's yeah. I don't know. How's that work? Someone, someone that works in Hollywood producing, explain to us how this business arrangement works. If you want to go out on your own, maybe you just can't. Maybe you're just tied to your brother or sister for your entire career. Sounds. Well, I love and my I know sister that, like, as well, but like, I, I don't know. We're very, we're too much alike. <laughs> we we would drive each other nuts. Well, and the one thing I can think of too is that one of the reasons why it might happen is because if you're related, that's one of the only exceptions with like the director's guild where they'll let you be a real director, be a member of it and have everything, have all their benefits and whatnot. If you don't co-direct, like you, if you co-direct and you aren't related to the other person and you give up your ability to be in the, uh, or to, to be in the director's guild, oh. like you're, you're like, you're not allowed to, to co-direct with anyone who you're not related to. And I feel like that, that might have to do with at least where that stuff starts for whatever reason you know they might not feel comfortable doing it on their own and they have that built-in allowance for nepotism or whatever that's really interesting i didn't know that was a thing yeah well, i remember reading about that with the coen brothers that like they that there's like the some other project with someone else uh oh, was it is it maybe hudsucker proxy which i recommended on new year's uh it was with the sam raimi and so like he they had to direct it, but they they co-wrote it with him, but he couldn't be involved in the direction, like quote unquote, because of that. And it's interesting. That is interesting. Hollywood uh what am I trying to say? Union shit and all this. It's very weird. Yeah. The more it, I learn it feels about it, the arcane. weirder it feels. Well, yeah, and it's just like I don't know. I feel like it limits the talent pool almost. But also I understand the need to like unionize and kind of have protections for people. But this feels like the opposite of that. This feels like, ne like you said, nepotism. Well, it feels like, <laughs> feel like unions in general <laughs> here. It's like unions in the U.S. It's a good thing. I'm pro-union, but like you can't deny the historical like association. It's not, it's not fictitious, the like idea of it. Oh, yeah, a lot of unions end up getting controlled by organized crime. It's like that's not – that wasn't something mm. that a Hollywood guy made up in a story to start. <laughs> that was yeah. based on reality. And I think that even if it's not like directly controlled by it, it's just, it's something that's any institution built around like unifying, creating an organization like that, even with the best of intentions, it's built. It feels like they're intrinsically built to be corruptible or to have somebody to come in and say, well, I don't want this well, kind of person to get the job or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, it, especially it in an industry like this where there's so much money and celebrity, like there's those power dynamics. So it's like, even if you are in a union and technically you have, you are on equal footing with, you know, whoever this, you know, actor is or director or whatever, or, you know, makeup artist or, you know, grip or whatever, you know, it's, it, there's, everybody is in the is in a union if they can if they can get into it because it guarantees you better money <laughs> but also it's like well they might like how does that how does that power dynamic work within the union when you're equal but you're not right <laughs> because of money and celebrity and power in that sense so i don't know it's it's not the same as like longshoremen you know or <laughs> like <laughs> like oil True. refinery workers or anything like that. It's a little different. So I don't know. I've always been kind of curious about that. But. Yeah. There, there are no superstars of the, you know, like 
people who work on a factory line industry. Yeah. Like, like, we're getting, well, it's not like athletes or celebrities where you get huge, huge bonuses for being well known. Like, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, this episode was directed by Billy Gearhart, originally aired uh, February 7th, 2017. I feel like it's weird that this we're already in 2017. I feel like that wasn't that long ago. And then I remember it's 2020. And I'm like, oh, that was three years ago. It doesn't God, the, last, the last like four years feel so long, but also like really fast. Long. Yeah. I, I know that's just natural as we get older, but I think this particular political administration has yeah. like accentuated that. Like like this like feeling of like purgatory. <laughs> yeah. I know. Like I started my job, like we said, in 20, like right around this time that this episode aired, like shortly before this, actually, when and when we first became friends. Yeah. But I feel like I've been working for this company for like 10 years. And I feel <laughs> like part of it is just like the nature of the company is going through a lot of change. And the nature of my work is very stressful sometimes. But also, it's I think it's also the political climate, just like what's going on like around us. <laughs> it's just, oh, good Lord. All right. We are in Spain. And Colson is in some like, I don't know, plaza cafe thing. And he's chatting with himself, but he's really talking to Mac on comms. Um, and they are trying to take photos of this woman that could lead them to May. Uh, this woman's name is Agnes. She is an Australian expat and she disappeared from her old life. And we get a look at her face and it's Ada's face. So Ada was based off of someone, as we said in past episodes. Uh, remembering to this kind of horrific storyline that I completely forgot about. <laughs> um, so Radcliffe is in the framework and he comes out of it and he talks to Ada about how they upgraded this simulation. And it is like, yeah, well, you know, there's no, uh, May kept finding the edges of the simulation, but the earth is round. So we upgraded it. And it's kind of this weird way of like, I don't know, like comparing like the framework to the world. And it's like, oh, it has no edges because it's round. Like, I don't know. I thought it was like a really weird. Di the dialogue is just very strange, but also I, I felt like it was a robot. So you know, it was good because it felt like something it's logical. It's something a robot might. Yeah, it felt like a robot who's developing a personality. Like yes. very Star Trek Next Generation data making a joke. Like yeah, it's like it's yeah. like, but, but I felt like it, it did work and and like the point of it was to give us the viewers the scope that it's no long that there are no edges anymore that if yeah. May keeps running it's 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 the entire planet is virtual now instead of having an endpoint like in a video game when you go too far yeah, uh, yeah. which is what happened <laughs> when, when when she was almost escaping when she first figured out that escaping was the way to go for May rather than getting her be contented and comforted yeah and now it's as we know it becomes the actual framework and it's 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 so complex that she never actually almost breaks out for the most part because yeah. she's because it's like duplicated their whole world but made it slightly more appealing to everyone in different ways Ugh. and uh, <laughs> no it's a it's yeah. a yeah it's a like she like right out right off of, off of the bat with the beginning like it really i think shows mallory jansen's range because she's done a great job as ada this season for sure but like instantly even though she still looks like someone who's like whatever uh supermodel-esque like symmetrical person like she still has that vibe and could play the robot really well like she 
has this very naturalistic like your expressions and and, and she moves and, like a human being yeah <laughs> like just, as agnes just, yeah and just like her micro expressions like her, her facial expressions are really good and nuanced like she looks like a completely different person even though she's identical to ada yeah. and and it's really solid acting from someone who's relatively like unknown and underrated like i i, I appreciated her from gallivant because my Best friend in the world recommended I watch that musical comedy that was short lived on ABC, and <laughs> I ended up watching it with my uh, brother and his family, and they uh, and I all loved it. Like it's hilarious and absurd and really really funny. If you like uh, musical comedies at all or like fairy tale type stuff, uh, I it's like a lot of fun and very very self aware and cheeky. But uh, like. I don't know. I wasn't anticipating her to be a great actor from it. Like, like mm-hmm. it's a very specific thing. Goofy musical comedy. It doesn't mean if you're great at it, it doesn't mean you have the range to do anything else yeah. necessar- necessarily. A lot of those people on Broadway who do that. That's all they ever do. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not a bad thing. Like, yeah. They're prob- they're very good at it most of the time. And that's, that's fine. You can, you can be that employee. That's really good at the one thing that you can do, or you can, you know, be good at multiple things. And that's also a, a way to exist in the world. So it's fine. Absolutely. <laughs> like, like as far as acting goes, like, like uh, rest in peace, Chris Farley, but I don't know that he was ever going to have his breakout, like, you know, Robin, Will- yeah. Robin Williams or, or Adam Sandler dramatic role. I think he may, may have just been good at that co- physical comedy kind of great timing thing that he did. But he was one of the best at it. Like, like you can, mm-hmm. you, you, you can in any career, I think, or any field, like you said, that, could, that that's not a bad thing. But, but I was very pleasantly surprised to see her like show such a good range in Shield because, again, like it feels silly because in some ways I think Planet Planet Robots probably really easy, but in some ways it's not, and it's cool to see someone who can pull it off and it is one of the other strengths of the show i think that we talked about before with it, with a few male exceptions uh, yeah. we, we enjoy the casting I think. yeah um also i feel like playing two different characters that are vastly different in the same episode is probably quite challenging too like you have to be in like a completely different headspace for both characters. And these characters are Agnes and Ada are very different. <laughs> yeah. Super uh, intelligent baby. <laughs> and like yeah. a normal person who's going through a lot of shit. Like yeah. it's. Um, yeah. I don't know. Good. Um, good stuff. It is good stuff. Um, it, uh, so at the end of this weird earth round conversation, <laughs> um, Radcliffe says, whatever price we paid for the dark hold, it was worth it. Which they what price did they pay? They gave up Ada 1.0 and lost all your friends. Okay. <laughs> like <laughs> although I mean because uh, you know we're all spoilers all the time now. Uh I do wonder if that's because Radcliffe knows either what's already happened to him or is going to happen to him as well. Because mm. they're all theoretically like when when the the end goal of the ma- uh, of the uh, the matrix esque you know existence of the framework, I, I, they're not meant I think necessarily to stay alive forever. Like like right now they're plugging them in and keeping keeping them alive. But I think the idea is like your brain will live on and your body will die mm-hmm. and who cares? So like I think in some ways he's preparing to sacrifice like th- himself and everyone else involved. Like which is. Yeah. It, but he's also thinking of it as 
them living forever. So it's it's not like it's very James Bond super villain. It's like I'm going to save the world. I need to conquer right. it first, you know, or whatever. Yeah, but also it. that like the lives of the few sacrificed for the good of you know the many type of it's that's a very like um that's a very common like evil scientist trope and like fantasy and science fiction i feel like they're not necessarily like you know you know have nefarious reasons for doing things like they do want to you know do the right thing but they're the the way they get there is not not great um i feel like this definitely falls into that category um let's see uh oh so uh the watchdog dude uh What's his name? Shockley. I think we find out later yes. in this episode. T Tucker and Shockley. <laughs> best name ever. <laughs> um, and Ivanoff are like in the next room and like Radcliffe and Ada come walking in there. And I think Ivanoff said, or no, it's it's Shockley. He's like, does she have to, or does it have to be here talking about Ada? And they're very uncomfortable with her. Um, and uh, Ivanoff, uh, I feel like the end of last episode is when he revealed that he wanted to like get Coulson. Is that yeah, right? Yes. Yeah. So he's been, he's kind of talking about how like, you know, I want to, um, you know, I, I, I figured out a way to find Coulson, blah, blah, blah. And he, he, he confesses that he's read the dark hold and Radcliffe is like, Oh, what? Like he's super like upset about it. And, um, Basically, he's like, well, turns out like I couldn't really understand it. It basically told me that I needed you uh, to find a way to end the inhuman sin. And so um, Radcliffe brings out these Terrigen crystals um, and he's like, um, we're going to we're going to we're going to be able to. <laughs> Wait, what is so we're going to make? Any, sorry, I'm like trying to read what I wrote here. <laughs> I'm form a player. Oh, OK. So he he brings out these Terrigen crystals that he's up upgraded um you know from his time with war and it's funny because he mentions his time with war and he calls him a former employer whose intent was completely opposite of ivanov's uh, but basically he's made this formula for these crystals and it's safe for humans so if they like cr you know they set off the crystals in a room with humans and in humans like the the humans aren't going to die like they have in the past so the theoretically <laughs> yeah <laughs> um well <laughs> there's well, it's complicated <laughs> um so, uh, meanwhile, on the base, Fitz has created an LMD sensor in this, like, weird tunnel thing, I guess, that is part of the entrance to the base now. Um, and he walks in with, like, a dry cleaning bag, and there's a hanger in it, and um, he's like, yeah, can you make this less sensitive so it doesn't go off when, like, a hanger is in here? <laughs> like, this is, this is another uh, instance of, like, the infinitely moving like magical mc escher uh mm -hmm. style of the playground because they're all going through everyone goes through this one entrance now when we've also seen them go through a weird trap door uh it seems like a window maybe, yeah, a, a random window <laughs> uh, some sort of abandoned bar in the <laughs> deserty wilderness a, a giant hangar bay <laughs> we've seen yeah. at least three if not four dedicated entrances to this base but now they're all going through the same entry point every time because of convenience and, yeah yeah and, and the ever-changing shape of the playground yeah what if you come in through the hangar that's like not gonna help or through the front door is this the front door or is this like the entrance from the hangar like yeah or is this or are they all going through the bar now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um 
So meanwhile, in the lab, Mace is running on a treadmill and Simmons is testing him. And um, he's, you know, he's in good physical condition, it seems like. And apparently she's been testing the serum and she um, tells Mace that, you know what, it's too risky. We can't have you use the serum because it might just randomly cause you cardiac arrest. Like you could be fine this time. It's like, it's like cocaine. <laughs> well, she says that literally every time he takes it, statistically, he's going to be more likely to either have cardiac arrest or die. Yeah. Like, and like, the next time he takes it. It's going to get it, worse yeah. and worse and worse. Every time he survives, it's basically like he's he's playing an infinite game of Russian roulette. But yeah, he, except the but, outcome is is definite where at some point he will just not make it <laughs> yeah it seems like exponentially he has less odds as he goes so like each time like one of the chambers that doesn't have a bullet goes away yeah. <laughs> like, that's a good way of putting it actually it's, um, it's no good no no good for him and you can see when she says that you can't do it like like he looks like oh damn it like, like yeah his face just falls like he's just like he's so hopeful that he's gonna be able to do something when it's so sad too because simmons is like you'll never be captain america i'm sorry and it's just it just hits home again how mace is just the more disappointing version of captain america because well, and and it's just it's it, it was that very meta because he was the replacement cap in the show but he was literally in the comics he's yeah. basically to replace captain america it's like you're never going to be captain america <laughs> like and i like it like on some level i feel like it's also meta with like well shield's never going to be an mcu movie either i love Aww. it but it's like also it's not quite the same you know and it, it's very, really sad it is it is very sad but also like this is I feel like it's it's also a really great example of the writing. It's like I feel like they subtly it's not that they make me not feel bad for Mace anymore, but they're able to like just reshift my thinking about him very quickly because this 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 moment where he like accepts this news from her, even though it's like soul crushing. When when Jim says you'll never, you'll never be Captain America, you see this like range of emotions go through him. He also very clearly starts stating like he's changing his thinking. He's like, I'm going to have a good attitude about this because that's what you do when you're on a football team. And yeah, then he starts um, a football metaphor. He does not stop the entire episode. No, exactly. <laughs> and I feel like uh, it's a distraction for me where I'm like, okay, I still like Mace, but he's one of those type of characters that like if you were a real person – we would not be friends. I wouldn't hate no, him, no. but it's like I could not <laughs> listen to someone who in one day, the 13th football metaphor, I'd be like, listen, dude, we're not playing a football game. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. But like, this is not something I relate to you about. <laughs> I know. And he's saying this to Simmons of all people. Like he could at least say it to Fitz. And it, I feel like, you know, it would be a little bit more under. Simmons has no interest in well, she, any kind she of football. even says, like, at one point, it's like, well, you'll find your place on the footy squad. <laughs> like, it's oh, so yeah. cute. <laughs> <laughs> so British. Um, oh, and then he, I, in this same conversation, Mace talks about how he's been training in combat, and he's, like, trying to, like, you know, be this, you know, uh, basically as good like as he a can combat be. agent. And he talks, and Simmons like, oh, that's great. And he's like, yeah, Agent Piper took me down in, like, five seconds. And she's like, well, tomorrow will be six, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> like, she's trying to, like, look on the bright side so bad and he just is like you know like i was you know 
I was cat or I was the coach or the captain and now then I was the quarterback and now I'm on the bench like this is this is disappointing (laughs) (laughs) and then Fitz makes it even worse because he walks in with this new patriot suit that has these like chambers so that he could put the serum in it inject himself and he has like heart monitor and like tracker and all this stuff and he doesn't know that you you don't have to use the injections anymore the suit does yeah, and but like, he doesn't realize that Simmons has told him, like, oh, you can't use the serum anymore. And he's like, well, why'd you let me, like, go through my whole spiel? <laughs> like, why'd you stop me? <laughs> oh, so poor Maze. He just, like, wants to – he is so desperate to do something, to be useful. And it's it's kind of sad. <laughs> it's, it's a he little – He went to the trouble of being Buff Colson, and now he's not even on the team. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, meanwhile, Daisy is helping relocate in humans. And, um, I think, I think Mace is the one who walks in and says like the Sokovia Accords give the U S government, um, a right to the inhuman location. So it's possible that like, you know, Nadir could find them again anyway. And she's like, well, uh, it's your job to deal with that Mace. So you need to go like talk to Congress or whoever and make sure that, you know, this isn't leaking out again <laughs> so that inhumans are not in danger. Um, and Mace contacts Colson and Spain in the end. Colson confirms that they have found the real Ada. Um, and so, you know, Mace is like, you know, talking to all these people and everybody's doing something and he wants to do more. And, um, Coulson's like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of felt that way when I joined, the, started working with the Avengers. Like, it's hard to find your place among all these powered people, especially if you're just a regular person. But you'll, you'll, you know, it takes a while, but you'll find it. And he's like, tries to, and you know, of, of all people, Coulson is like the one, the one person in Shield. I feel like who, you know, he's not a super. I mean, he's his combat is fine, but he's not like he's not like Mac <laughs> or May. You know, he's not like this either a tank or like a martial arts master he's not an inhuman he's not powered he's not like a super brain like Fitz or Simmons so but he is like a leader and I think he's I don't know he's kind of the perfect person to talk to Mace about this but Mace wants more than just that role it seems like he still wants to be this like Captain America-esque person but he's not that person (laughs) and I think like like the points like that you just made and that and that Coulson made is 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 a well-made point that it's true, but also at the same time, it's like not only is that position not available because Colson has it, <laughs> but <That's true>. <laughs> it's also not, we've established like the last couple episodes. It's not necessarily what he's good at. He's good at motivating, at being, at being positive, at working with other people. And like, he, like there are working qualities about him that make him, a, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that make him a good leader, like or politician even, but not the same way that Colson is like, he's not the strategy guy. He's not the statistician or whatever or tactics guy that, that I think that, that makes Colson, able to bring everything together like like, like that's yeah. his one skill that is a spy skill or whatever is like yeah. he's good at planning things and and working off the cuff because he can like plan and and like on the spot which yeah. is cool but i don't know I, it it's frustrating because i feel, feel like it's something that's done earnestly and and earned for the character to say and it makes sense but at the same time i, I totally get why uh it's not really effective for me it's why he's just yeah. like yeah it's it's easy for you to say like, yeah. <laughs> like you, you got a job you have and are good at <laughs> yeah. like, i don't i have You're neither right. of those things yeah that's true um <laughs> okay the best case scenario for him at this point as, as a role on the show is i'm the cheerleader yeah <laughs> like, yeah <that's> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Mascot's probably the best. Uh, the best. Also, I, 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 I if we're talking it, football it, metaphors. Still. Also, you're you're past it, and I, I, it's the only time I think I've ever seen this particular typo. But there's one time you spelled Fitz fizzed. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the T and the Z are transposed. It's cracking me up. And it didn't correct it, so that's an actual word. Google, really? <laughs> that's that's. Uh, my phone auto-corrected. I was writing some stupid comic thing. It had to do with the historical figure, uh, Virginia Dare, because she was in a Marvel comic. And I, I, it auto-corrected Virginia, I think, six times to Virginia. <laughs> like, virginal, but with no L. What the fuck, man? I know how to spell Virginia. <laughs> like, stop messing with me, phone. <laughs> yeah, mine will, like capitalize the whole word sometimes when I'm texting people so it looks like I'm really excited about something or really trying to emphasize something and I'm like sorry I don't know why it's capitalizing your it's name like, you, <laughs> like for some reason something like that where you dismiss something once for whatever reason I'm one of the reason I feel like iPhone updates it's like they want me to do this every time I know. <laughs> they're like I got the message boom is always in all caps I yeah. <laughs> like you did it once you, uh, you, you use it loud and clear. I got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did it once, so it's how we're gonna always do it. Because Lord, um, so we find out that Agnes is an artist, um, and so she's doing some art thing. She's like sketching, or I, I don't remember what she's doing. She's doing something that's arty, and um, Coulson goes to chat with her, and <laughs> I can't remember. We watched this episode a long ass time ago, so like he, he says he's talking about the temple or church. She's she's looking at is like, oh, it's pretty great, huh? And she's like, yeah, she's drawing. And he said, oh, yeah, you know, it's yeah, a replica yeah. of the real ones in Majorca, and she's like, yeah, I know. It's like I'm an artist. I actually am familiar. <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, you know about replicas. Like he's such. A- <laughs> He's such, such a, a jerk. <laughs> are you a robot or what do you know about the robots? Like essentially yeah. what he just walked up to a stranger and said. Dude. Like, yeah. He, not having May around is really doing one over on Colson here. Um, I, I do feel like that's that's what they're illustrating. That, like, yeah. <laughs> the pressure and like, like the particular His humanity has just departed. <laughs> well, and I think like it's supposed to show how their relationship has progressed that like she, the, He's he's kind of lost without her. Where in other times where she's been with Andrew or been gone or whatever, he's not happy about it, but he's still okay. But yeah. like right now, he's gotten to a point <laughs> where it's like, and knowing like, I almost had sex with a robot, May, and and like yeah. we've had this relationship. He's probably mad about her. that. <laughs> yeah, they've had this thing going for a couple of decades, like this on again, off again, flirty thing that's evolved. Like right when it evolves, she gets swapped with a robot. That's gotta piss you off. <laughs> I'd, I'd be a little mad about the robot. Uh, I'd be mad about. It. I mean, especially if she might know something about it. Like, I would probably go kind of snarky tail. So in, in, my, in my head canon, in, in my head canon, if the Avengers knew he were, and like he like met with them like at any point, had reunions or visits or whatever, he'd just be really weird to the Vision. Like, the yes, next couple times he's like, thanks a lot. You're yeah, like, what? Like, what's your problem? <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> kind of tense around androids for a second. He has to go through a little mini arc, like. Uh, like Gemma did with her Inhumans Prejudice, where he's just like, nope, yeah. nope, nope, it's not an android's fault that Meg got re- replaced by another android. If anything, be prejudiced against crazy scientists. <laughs> like, yeah. When um, this season progresses, Scottish scientists in particular, maybe. <laughs> right? Oh my God. <laughs> 
Scottish scientist from Glasgow. Um, so Coulson mentions Radcliffe, like after he says that you know a thing or two about replicas, and um, Agnes gets upset. And she starts to leave and she's like, I don't want anything to do with that man. And then Matt cuts off her exit and he shows her a picture of Ada and she's like, oh, my God, he actually did it. And I guess apparently he like started with body parts. And so why why not do the whole body? Why not just replace the entire body? Um and she was apparently special to him, but he left her. And so she's mad about it. Um and she has a brain tumor and it's inoperable and Radcliffe couldn't fix her and he hated that. And so he left um, and she wants to leave. Coulson tries to make her stay and, you know, he, he tries to pe- appeal to her like with empathy. But I feel like after his opening line, that's just not, not going to oh, yeah. happen. <laughs> like he already well, failed. <laughs> well, I felt like it was a really subtle reference in when she was talking about the brain tumor. It almost felt like it was supposed to be. Uh, specific to to her falling out with uh, Radcliffe because like it all yeah. as the episode reveals itself like we find out that you know, they worked together on this on these uh, uh, synthetic limb replacements that became something else and like we find out it's because of this inoperable brain tumor and the fact that she and Radcliffe were in love and were together that Radcliffe kind of changed his whole goal to instead of working on advanced uh, prosthetics he was working on trying to figure out some way to save her and, yeah. and repair her her dying body and uh that line uh that that she has when she's uh talking about it she says that it's very like boring average cancer or whatever but at least it's in a very interesting place mm. and it almost felt like it was like mocking him or lashing out at something like that. if he didn't say that directly it, it just felt like something that Radcliffe would say or think, you know, it's like, like like that he'd be more interested in something weird, even if it's bad, just because it's weird. And like, it, it, it felt like it was a general commentary on his attitude, just like from when we first met him, when he was with that transhumanist thing, post-human, like, like robot thing that, uh, and that Gemma and Fitz had approved themselves by like knowing about robotic limb replacement, you know, like it's, it's interesting. That, yeah, that line really, I didn't even catch that, but that really, it does nail Radcliffe's character spot on. Like, good thing it's in an interesting place. God. I really like him, but I also hate him. No, I like, <laughs> they make a, they, they make you really, I feel like, feel for the character and like, they don't, you don't write him off as evil or he's not one. Like even yeah. further on in the in the framework, like we see the think, framework he, version of him tries to do right in the end. Yeah, like he's not he tries bad to redeem himself. Yeah, and 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 Mallory Jansen does a great job. Like already, Agnes is very, feels very real. And yeah, the, the the writing and acting combo they, they did a really good job in like a couple scenes introducing someone who looks just like a robot, you know, and making you believe that they're a real person and. <laughs> now I'm thinking back to when we were talking about how um some I think it was Mac that was like making fun of Radcliffe. He's like, Why'd you make your sexy yeah. sex robot? He's like, We're just friends. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 well, I think it's part of why he was so defensive. It's like, hey, whoa, yeah. whoa, I'm nuts. I may never look like my ex girlfriend, but I did not <laughs> fuck that robot. Like, how dare you? <laughs> yeah. Like I'm in love with her, you know, her 
her original or whatever you want to call her, her, her face sake. What do you call that? Like if it's, you know, yeah. namesake, but her <laughs> entire body? I don't know. Namesake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. Yeah, there's no way to get around that, Radcliffe. You, you're nuts. That's- yeah, well, I feel like it's too, weird. Anyway, you anyway you slice it. Well, and the way Fitz reacted to that line, to when he's like, well, "We're just great friends," you know, <laughs> when he's like, "Stay on the humanizing the robot thing." Uh-huh. It's like now, if you if you could somehow like, I, I wish they'd had just a little bit of extra time and had Mac like texting a photo to Fitz, like get a load of uh, of Radcliffe's ex, and just have a shot of him in, in the lab, just being like, "Oh God, like, what, am, like, what was I a part of?" Like, so twisted uh, like in so many ways <laughs> that conversation is so brilliant oh <laughs> uh. all right so senator nerdier wants some she what did i want some political sh- uh, shit around the inhuman relocations i don't know what that means but she is <laughs> she is trying to dip her hand into the inhuman relocation she doesn't like it when she was um, trying to like, she was just trying to make them look really bad. She was trying to like get, yeah. get propaganda out there and get like get public opinion turned against them. I'm getting, glad like, that you remembered. That. Want some political shit around the inhuman relocations? Sometimes I like watch these really late at night, and I'm like drinking <laughs> or doing substances, and it's really interesting what comes out <laughs> in these notes, especially when I like didn't rewatch the episode recently. So like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, and our watchdog friend Shockley shows up, and he's like, "I need to talk to you." Oh, she's in her office. Okay, so this is when this happens. Um, he's like, "I need to talk to you," and she's like, "Well, you, what you have to say, you can say in front of my staff. I don't have any secrets from them." And so he's like, he has this speech that we've talked about in past episodes about how, like, hey, you know, like your brother was an inhuman, and you have those genetic, you have you have that genetic makeup in you too. So why don't we put, you know, why don't we put that to the test? And so he pulls out the um, Terrigen crystal. And drops it, and everybody else is fine except for him. <laughs> and uh, uh, Terry Genesis husk starts forming around him instead of Senator Nadir. What a fool! <laughs> That's what I wrote. <laughs> um, and then the office blows up. <laughs> we see it from the outside. Um, and uh, the the team at, at the base, meanwhile, is like watching the news, and da- everybody's like, "Oh my god!" And then Daisy is just like not convinced. She's like, "This is totally a plot by Nadir. Like, you're like, this is bullshit. Like, she's just trying to like, you know, point, you know, paint this on Inhumans or like whatever." And then they announce that Senator Nadir is dead, and so she's like, "Oh, okay. Well, I, you know, still think that she could have done that." <laughs> like, um, and Mace is like super sad that. You know, justice will not be served now. Like, Nadir can't get what she deserves. Um, but he wants to go to her office to figure out how this happened. So um, they uh, they get a team to go in there to look at forensics. And Daisy's like, well, you need to go get in front of the cameras. That's your job in this. And he wants to go help investigate. And she won't let him. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Mac and Coulson start arguing about um, letting Agnes go. Um because Coulson is desperate to get to May and Mac is like, you know, like you're, you know, she's basically like just trying to live her life, like what little life that she might have left. And you're bothering her about this. She obviously doesn't like want to, you know, have to go back to this. And and Coulson's like, this might be the only way to find May. Like she's our only lead. And Mac is like, well, we don't know the details <laughs> about this. So, um, and Coulson is doing his Coulson thing where he is like, you know, doesn't listen. And he's just like, instead of like being reasonable, uh, like he 
usually is, uh, he has has to go to the extreme because it's someone that he cares about. So we've seen him do this over and over. Um, at the the bomb site, I guess it's the Senate <laughs> Senate offices. I don't know. Fitz and Simmons are not finding any evidence of a bomb or any explosives, and um, they're kind of puzzled by this. And and Daisy finds out through the security footage that Tucker Shockley, that name is still <coughs> Tucker Shockley, entered the office right before the blast. So she thinks like, hey, if he's not one of the bodies that we find, I'm I'm guessing he's the bomber. So, and then they start, you know thinking that maybe you know they have they have the dark hold so they could have made an undetectable explosive device so they're kind of fucked right now um meanwhile shockley is wandering around shoeless in an alley and he goes into this warehouse um and ivanoff is in there and he lies to him about what happened so he doesn't have to expose himself as an inhuman because you know ivanoff hates inhumans and they hug it out and they're just like super like i don't know uh like for the fervor of like anti-inhuman sentiment is just really the energy is just very weird between them i just remember being like they're just super super fanatical about this when i remember i remember on my first viewing not being sure if he was like if he was thrown by explosion and didn't remember it accurately or whatnot and and in re-watching it this time i felt like it was more likely that he was definitely like aware of it. And like you said, he was just oh, lying yeah. to cover it up the first time. It felt like maybe he was, he, he was genuinely confused about what happened. And there might be a little bit of that yeah. because it's gotta be disorienting for sure. But well, especially he was like, like, imagine like someone who's super anti-black waking up and they're a black person. Like you would be like, I don't understand what happened. <laughs> like, how could this have happened type of thing? Even without, <laughs> when, even without that, like crazy, you know, prejudice, you know, if in, in, in any situation where you like have your identity taken away from you, it's gotta be yeah. insane. Like there was a, the, the Patty Jenkins miniseries that she did with, uh, the good Chris, <laughs> what's his name? <laughs> uh, Pine. Uh, that was, uh, really, really, really great. Like it was based on a true story about this guy, I think Martin Hodel, who's this crazy, like millionaire LA, uh, figure uh in like the 20s and he was involved in all sorts of like crazy like eyes wide shut shit and like like sex cults and whatnot and ended up uh i think there was a girl that he he paid a uh black woman who worked in service in his like mansion like as like a maid or whatever to like paid her a massive amount of money to be like you take this child raise this this girl as your own she's your child she's uh biracial that's why you have to leave town so that you know you can give her a better life so she won't be uh, you know uh, treated differently and whatnot as much as possible and raise her in a black community and it was his daughter and it was his daughter with his other daughter like it was a product of of incest and rape and it was this woman named fauna fauna hodel who lived like the first 20 years of her life believing she was a biracial woman in the 50s and like in the 40s and then found out oh no actually you're a white lady and your dad's a crazy bastard millionaire, like sociopath who like, ruined your fucking life and is a murderer and all this other crazy shit. And like, it was, it's all a true story, but like, how the hell do you go? How do, how do you live the first part of your adult life and all your yeah. childhood believing you are part of a marginalized group, getting treated that way, getting all that shit and then having it changed for you <laughs> like that? Like, like that's gotta be the craziest head fuck in the whole world. Yeah. And like, it's like, 
it's not at all the same as like a Rachel Dolezal situation, but like <laughs> the, kind of the opposite. Pro- yeah, yeah, it is. And the end product is still like, uh, like, uh, like just insane <laughs> where like you have to like not feel like you are who you know you are. Yeah. It's, but like, and then to have that extra component, like you said, where Shockley was like specifically a bigot, like not only did he think, oh, I'm a human and these are the citizens of the group, he's like, he hated the other group and then found out he's a part of it. Like, that's got to be bonkers. Yeah. Like, and also, he went in there with a plan to, like, take Nadir down. And yeah, and to, like, do a gotcha, <laughs> and to do a gotcha moment. And he gotcha himself. <laughs> like, 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 like. <laughs> Which, oh, man, oh, I, will, no. I wish every, like, racist or conservative, like, like extremist in the world could have something like that. Like, a moment where, like, <laughs> they, they tried <laughs> to publicly gotcha somebody and just end up making a complete fool of themselves. That'd be, that'd be great. Uh, it would have been better if everybody survived in that office, but whatever, you know, too many villains had to take one of them out, I guess. Yeah. Poor, poor <laughs> Mindanagra, like good actor, but did not, did not make it too long. Yeah. Um, she was a good, she was a good, uh, quote villain for this too, just because of her. I felt like, like, I mean, we've talked about this many times, but just her view on shield and more more in line with what we should i feel like we should align ourselves uh in real life <laughs> well yeah minus I, I, the I, minus the bigotedness yeah and like yeah minus the the bigoted and like uh, and like uh machiavellian like manipulation of, of truths yeah. and whatnot but but yeah. like the actual questioning a uh, big you know crazy government shit that has no oversight is definitely mm-hmm. a good thing it's like we talked about a few episodes ago she's a good villain because she's not one note and isn't just completely voted, motivated by evil. She actually has a good point in there and it makes it much more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It also makes me sad that she's a woman of color <laughs> that is a villain and is complex and now she's gone and we get the, we get the superior instead. Which is just Who's great. not, <laughs> not really Russian and not a great white actor who takes roles from people nope. <laughs> or tried to. Anyway. Yeah. Not, not their best moment. Um, so anyway, Daisy has found the warehouse that this, that Shockley and Ivanoff are in and they have a team already. They move in and they start beating everybody up. It's great. <laughs> um, uh, and Colson decides to, I don't know, be be more Colson and less like, you know, snarky and trolly <laughs> about this situation. He goes to Agnes's home and he knocks on her door and he just is like a human being and tries to appeal to her humanity and he apologizes for being a dick and he tells her, you know, uh, I I need your help because like because someone that means everything to me was taken from me and I'm trying to get her back. And he kind of explains like who may is and um, like kind of gives off some personality traits and things he obviously loves about her. And it's funny cause he's really trying to not make it personal, but he can't help it. <laughs> um, and I wrote in the notes, if that isn't the understatement of the century, like that kind of seems like everything that he does tries to not make it personal, but he can't. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's his definite MO. Yeah. And um, he kind of he explains what Radcliffe did to me and how he took her and replaced her with an LMD. And he says, May's like you. She deserves to live the rest of her life on her own terms, which, of course, Coulson has the line that like gets to the core of like what Agnes's motivation probably is, is like, hey, she just wants autonomy. And if she can, you know, if she can help do that for another woman, like, you know, how could she say no? So, of course, she agrees to help. Um. 
Meanwhile, Daisy has got she she grabs Shockley and she starts she starts she tries to start questioning him and he asks to talk to Mace. He's like, I want to talk to your inhuman director. And she just ignores him and keeps quaking his head and basically just like torturing him over and over and keeps asking him questions. Um and uh, meanwhile, an alert is going off on Radcliffe's message boards because he's in these like transhumanist message boards, which is kind of weird. <laughs> like, it's like a fandom. Um, and it's Agnes. And he um, but he doesn't say it's Agnes. Obviously, we just know because like she obviously she agreed to help Coulson. So this is a way for her to reach out to him. And he leaves and he asks Ada to perfect the framework while he's gone. And um Radcliffe shows Ada that Agnes was the inspiration for her. And Ada seems really disturbed by this. Like she's kind of like, I'm not the, I'm not the original. Like, I don't know if it's that or if it's just like, oh, I'm based off of someone or you have feelings for this person that I'm based off of. Like, I feel like it could be multiple things, but who knows what a robot, who can know what a robot is thinking? So I don't know. It it did, I think (laughs) like it did a good job of showing without us knowing what she's thinking. Like it showed that, I, I, I felt like the, the the clear illustration was that she's processing it in a way that isn't just like Ada Ada 1.0. Yeah, yeah. Ada 1.0 would just have looked at it and like like added the information to her database. It's like, okay, I look like this person. This person looks like that. That's her name. You know her. But like mm-hmm. like you said, instead she's actually making connections and and drawing conclusions and making implications and inferences. It's like she's actually looking at it like a a real person would and and we don't know and that's the other thing is like before with a whatever a little stereotypical robot head tilt or whatever like we might have been able to figure out like oh she's thinking about it but like now we know like no there's actually there's something going on there's wheels turning and yeah it does it makes her a scarier villain because we don't know what's going on anymore like it's not yeah telegra- it's not telegraphed yeah that's very true um God, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I feel like even towards the end of the episode, I'm like, there's a you know, there's a moment where she takes Agnes's necklace and puts it on, and it's like, I don't understand that either. Like, no, there's definitely something from. going on. Like, like, I feel like it's of the skipping to the end of the season. Like, her big goal in the end is to leave the leave the framework. It's like, mm-hmm. even though it was, Radcliffe's goal is to make is to use it to replace reality. Ada's goal is to make herself a real human body. It's like she's Pinocchioing herself, yeah. And I think that that's maybe sort of what both this like head head tilt processy thing and the the necklace are all like a, a part of that same story arc where it's like this is Ada deciding like I want to be real and and I want to have what this person had, and it also makes it extra creepy that like Radcliffe is like oh it's all better now you know she's dead and her brain's in the Matrix and she's like yeah it's great but I'm I want to be real. this is good enough for you for human flesh bags but like i'm i'm gonna be real real (laughs) (laughs) flesh bags but yeah it's god mallory jansen does a really good job i know i didn't even pay really pay much attention to her because the emotional impact of like the framework stuff was just kind of overshadowed everything in this oh i agree i i think that on the first viewing like i recognized her from galavan i was like oh she did fine but i didn't appreciate the nuance or how good she really is yeah she's very excellent um meanwhile uh simmons and fitz still can't find a bomb or evidence of a bomb just organic compounds and selenium and fitz is like 
selenium. You found selenium and they figure out that I guess in human husks are made out of selenium or selenium is one of the compounds. And so they realize that Shockley is the inhuman and he go boom. <laughs> um, so Shockley tries to blow himself up while Daisy is like um, talking to him, but he get, he keeps getting interrupted and uh, they, they, you know, they figure this out and they they push him into the module and get him out of the plane. Just the, the module drops out of the plane just in time for it to blow up, which I was confused. Like if the module can contain inhuman powers, why did the module blow up? Like, shouldn't the module be in one piece and he just blows up inside? Yeah, I also thought it was completely impervious to everything except for the magic of Ghost Rider. Right. That's what I thought. Huh. So now now you could just put a bomb in there and it would explode it. Yeah. <laughs> Feels weak. Yeah, yeah, it feels convenient. Because <laughs> um, I guess, like, if he just blew up in there, he would just re, you know, come back together in the box, right? Isn't that? Yeah, I, I, I feel like with the rules that they've established and whatnot, that should have been how this worked, but it also would have been really easy to contain him. And yeah, not. it's not good for plot. Yep. <laughs> they need to get Mace in the hands of Ivanov, and this is not helping their 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 plot move forward. So the module blows up. And um, Simmons is really upset because Fitz jumped in to try to help save the day. And she's like, what are you doing? Stop trying to be a hero. <laughs> like, um, and uh, he's like, what? I was like, trying to help. Um, but they've been through so much that it's just like, please just don't risk your life anymore. Like, please just just survive. And it's it's an interesting place that their relationship has come to, I think, given what happens the rest of the season. <laughs> so I feel like we could talk about that more once we get into the framework. But um, uh, Simmons is very much focused on survival now. And I don't know if that's from her time on the planet, the other planet, or just all the shit that her and Fitz have gone through over the past, like, maybe 10 episodes or I don't know. We'll talk about it. Anyway, Shockley reappears somewhere and he his body reforms. He's like in the middle of a desert um, and a, a guy in a truck drives by and he's like, hey, you need what's going on? And he's naked as well. And so he's like, hey, can you help me? <laughs> and so he gets in the car with this guy completely naked. Um, well, and, and I was going to say the special effects when they had him, it was almost like like uh, when a, a sandstorm like is supposed to like, you know, shave the surface off something like like it like yeah. it, it like widows away at something or or or, or kind of grinds away it's like the inverse of that it was like it was like a sandstorm was putting him back together instead of like blowing yeah. you off like a particular at a time it was like but it was a really solid special effect like yeah they, it looked really good it was relatively quick but they didn't linger on it but it worked and and it was one of those moments that like in the past, like with that really cool chain shot when it was on fire uh, earlier in the season where it's mm -hmm. like this season it, it, it's, I feel like it's the first time since the ghost rider stuff since, since this new third has started that we got a, a, a shot of like, Hey man, their special effects team is really on point this season. Yeah. Like, like well, they've been getting better and better and better, but this is like solid. This movie yeah. quality. Yeah. Agreed. Um, cause it looks real. It looks like it's really happening. And I think that's the thing with like, like digital effects or, you know, special effects or anything. Like the more you don't notice them, the better that is. But just because we're like rewatching this and we're kind of like, you know, picking through everything. Like I yeah, probably yeah. didn't even pay attention to that when I first watched this. Cause it was just like, oh, that's just real. That's just happening. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> right? And I, and I, I think you're absolutely right. And I feel like it's 
good stuff considering how many times we mentioned like yeah. <laughs> like if we're gonna know because of the rewatching all the bad stuff like we should appreciate the great stuff too. i agree i agree um because when you watch through and notice that Lincoln's electricity powers are kind of bullshit and it looks <laughs> bad, like that kind of pulls you out of your suspended, you know, moment of disbelief being in the narrative. But in this case, like you don't even you don't even really pay attention to it because it's it just looks so good. It looks like it's happening, like I said. And Ghostwriter's face is really melting off and becoming a flaming skull head. Like that's no, really it, happening. It looks like it. And I think it's a testament to their high quality. Like that it looks the same as like something that has been perfected for the past like 60 plus years, like with like Patty Duke technology with the uh, multiple Patton Oswalds playing the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the Koenigs. It's like, this looks just as good as that. And you know, they haven't been reassembling people an atom at a time or whatever <laughs> uh, digitally for 60 years since yeah. we didn't even start doing that stuff until like 30 years ago. So yeah. I, I'm definitely impressed. Um, So back, I think they're on the Zephyr, correct? When this, yeah. Cause the, 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 the module popped out of the yeah exploded. definitely so because so they weren't Mace, on the base unless that yeah. flies now <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> you know what i wouldn't put it past the base to do that <laughs> uh, so mace is upset because he wasn't more useful in combat i guess like he you know he got his ass kind of handed to him and he's just like man like i want to be useful like once again and they're watching the footage of the explosion and um fitz and simmons are trying to figure out how he explodes and um Fitz kind of thinks that I think he suggests that it's like vibration based somehow like he vibrates yeah, well, his it's atoms cause, it's because at one point I don't remember if it was uh Daisy or or Jim was reacting to like the sound he's making oh, yeah Daisy when, when, Daisy was reacting to the sound that he was making. yeah when they send, hear that like when they ship him off and uh at that moment right before he explodes and in, in in the chamber she she notes that and then I think that's what made Fitz figure out that it's a frequency that he's like vibrating on that that causes it to happen or if it, if it, if it happens along with it or whatever like it, it's either the cause or something that that they can use to predict it's going to happen it, it's yeah. associated with it but then he also suggests that daisy might be able to contain him because it's vibration based so she can tap into that frequency and maybe like suppress it or you know whatever so we go back to Spain and Agnes is waiting at a restaurant for Radcliffe, which how did Radcliffe get to Spain so fast? Where is he? Isn't he on a submarine? But anyway. Um, how fast is this submarine? He just like goes around. I the don't floor. think those things are supposed to be like, they're, yeah. not, they're not jets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's some drag, you know, water movement is kind of slow. Um, I don't know. There's whales. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't hurt the whales. There's a lot more stuff in the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like land. <laughs> um, so um, she's waiting there and she's on comms with Coulson and she's kind of like, oh, like he's still not here. I knew he wouldn't show and she wants to leave. And he's like, you know, just wait it out like another, you know, 20 minutes or so. We'll see if he comes. Um, and a server comes up to her and brings her a phone and it rings and she answers it and it's Radcliffe and he suggests that he has found a way to save her and he's making it sound like, hey, I can like cut that brain tumor out of your brain, not like I'm going to put you in the framework. <laughs> so yeah, not, not, did you like the matrix? You want to yeah. live there? Like, like, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> it's it, it, he making, he's making it sound different actually. 
So he wants her to go somewhere so he can meet with her. And um, Coulson's like, yeah, go. Like, we can see and hear everything. Go ahead. Like, you're on comms. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's not great. So um, Shockley shows up at this diner in you know the middle of nowhere. And he asks to use the phone. Um, and he calls the superior. And he confesses that he is an inhuman now. But he still wants to work for him. He's going to do everything he can to you know, help take out the inhumans and take down Coulson still. Well, and that that was the only moment I enjoyed, I think, so far from the superior. And it wasn't because it was definitely the writing. But he, in that moment, when he first calls and like confesses, he's like, nothing you could do, you know, will give you absolution or nothing, you know, nothing mm-hmm. can redeem you for this. And he's like, well, I still want to work with you killing inhumans. He's like, all right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> he immediately goes back on it. And it was if our goals him. align. I guess it's OK. <laughs> Like as long um, as you're murdering your own kind indiscriminately, I guess I like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Daisy is on the Zephyr and she's working in this box that's basically they're doing like a simulation type thing on, you know, so she can practice diffusing Shockley and it's not going well. She can't get it to not explode. But hey, they gotta go. So are you ready? And she's like, Well, no, but I guess we're going. So they're going because they found him. Um and this and the next scene is when we find out that Radcliffe wants to put Agnes in the framework. And so she's talking to him uh, and and she she buys it and she gets into the car and leaves with him. Um, and I don't know, it's kind of sad. <laughs> um, but also, like, what else did you expect, Colson? Like, they know each other way better than you know her. I don't know. Um so Daisy goes to meet And Shockley. they were in oh. love. It's like if Meg yeah, like why showed up. She trust, yeah. <laughs> why would she trust him to have her best interest in mind? You know? Yeah, like, he, he really, this this whole episode from between the opening salvo with him like coming on way too strong and ruining any chance <laughs> at her having empathy or believing he did. And then this, it's like, I, I, I didn't, I definitely didn't pick up on my first viewing like like three years ago. Yeah. And I think probably not even my first re rewatch a couple of weeks ago, but I, I think that maybe it's to show how thrown he is by maybe mm-hmm. gone. How, yeah. sh- how sh- to show that like the change in their relationship has, I think maybe for the first time impacted the way he operates in a way where it's like not just making him not making it. it we talked a lot about how the emotional stuff is how he he's compromised a lot, but it's also one of his strengths, you know, yeah. like, like because it is empathy and it is allow allows him to make choices that aren't just pragmatic and are, are I think more moral or righteous, like in this fictitious superhero government <laughs> watchdog world. <laughs> but, but like, I, th- I think this was, this was a good, a, a good illustration of, of showing that like at this point it actually is making him make missteps and making him, fuck up with how he's dealing with people in a way where this this would have been one of his like ideal situations like like oh this is his strength this is why you have a guy like Colson on the team because mac is good at relating with people but it takes a while he has to get to know them may not really her strong suit daisy same (laughs) thing with mac like 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 give her a little bit of time it'll work but like this is this was colson's strength it's like immediately getting to the heart of why someone's having this issue or how to get them on board whether it was an avenger or a regular person this is what he was good at mm-hmm. and he's fucking it up yeah. <laughs> he's not he, even sort of doing a good job i mean he can't even like i mean he uses may essentially his relationship with me to kind of appeal to agnes's like i don't know 
humanity and you know wanting to help another human but he like completely disregards like radcliffe and her's relationship which is like okay like he's so focused on his own relationship he can't see past it yes and i think usually (laughs) he'd be using his own or his own frame of reference to try to relate to that person but this one i think and i think that's how it seemed on initial viewing but now like looking at how he how he was before he tried that route and how it was overall and how he missed yeah. everything i think it was really just an expression of his frustration and his like it was actual desperation he wasn't yeah. like fooling anyone yeah and playing that's, them maybe that's that is the only card he had to play because that is all he is focused on like i feel like old colson old colson <laughs> pre may android colson would have like allowed agnes to go with radcliffe and been able you know he would have found a way he would to have saw persuade. it coming and yeah and, and tracked her or something yeah exactly um but he didn't see you know two steps ahead that you know that radcliffe is a scientist he's a smart dude like <laughs> and i don't know colson wasn't able to see that but i don't know it's sad on multiple levels Coles, it just shows like you said and i really like that you I don't know, made that connection because I didn't at first, but like, yeah, just looking over this entire episode and even last episode, he's just so hyper-focused. But also Agnes and her desperation to want yeah. whatever Radcliffe is offering. Even. One more shot at life and, and <laughs> fixing this broken relationship. Like, 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 even if he can't cure her, like maybe they can fix make make what was a really sad heartbreak that was her last relationship make that into a good thing you know mm-hmm. like there's it, this is a really this isn't our favorite episode but the emotional beats are earned yeah. and well 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 done yeah and they're complex too like there's i don't i don't think we're supposed to feel one way or another about well, I don't know. Radcliffe is supposed to be kind of the villain, but still, it's like. But even he's I get not, like, it. pure evil, but, right? Yeah, like, but like I get both up. of their. I I get it. I get why Radcliffe would want to do this for Agnes. I get why Agnes would want to also do it, but also like Radcliffe is misguided and you know not thinking things through and um kind of I don't know sacrificing the the few for the many, <laughs> but also Agnes is just like you know it's this or you know how many days does she have to be alive? So it's like does she have a choice? I don't know. <laughs> Choose to go out on your own. Well, and the other thing too is that I forgot that she dies at the end of this episode. So it's not like she's just going to go in the framework and like be happy and still be alive. Like she legit goes away <laughs> so it's yeah it's like, like it's deciding that those whatever the mental recording of somebody's brain is more is equally them or, or yeah and, and, and i mean right now if scientists are thinking it's like going to be the next generation's problem and not ours but they <laughs> legitimately believe that this is like this is the thing that all yeah. the the singularity and we're going to live forever people like this is this is this is the route with with which that might actually be achievable and scientists believe like they might be able to duplicate our consciousness in, in a computer eventually and like will that really be you like but is, but is that a consciousness or is that just a program but at the same time like <laughs> like we, we have limitations like if they yeah. can duplicate it is it any different like it you know like like, like it's it's very interesting for sure yeah. like and not something like i'd be eager to do i'd be I'd be down to duplicate myself, but I wouldn't. Not if it, not if it was a, a, if it was a May situation where I was still around in storage or whatever, and also 
uh, you know, a robot, that'd be okay. But I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to die. Yeah. I, <laughs> I feel like, like Agnes has a kind of a different situation because she already had a death sentence. So yes. Oh, absolutely. Time. I feel like if I was in her situation, I probably would have chosen the same thing. Like, yeah, go out of my terms. I could like, see it. I could, yeah. I could see it, but on some level, like, but also the, the framework doesn't, you know, I would expect the framework not to be destroyed by the end of the season. You know what true. I mean? Yeah, like, you'd hope that lives that that lives true. <laughs> but that but, that is what happens. So she's gone. <laughs> I just always think, like, at a very young age, I remember talking not like do not resuscitate orders, and how in in her estimation, like she didn't want to uh, like be be on uh, life support at any point. Mm-hmm. You know, like like no no question. But like I, I, I legitimately struggle with that because like on one level I'm like absolutely I want to do what Ada would do, but on another level I'm like, and it, you know when you say that about like going on your own terms or whatever, but on another level it's like, oh no, like if if the resources are there and it's not like destroying the planet to keep me alive, like if I'm not, I'm not like consuming tons and tons of energy or whatever, just keep me on life support. Like who knows? <laughs> like, like, if I'm gonna come back, it's like you know quality of life and all that for sure. But but if there's a chance. Yeah. No, don't kill me. (laughs) So, because it did seem like the way this concluded, the like the process of putting her into the framework is the is what took it up, took out the last of her remaining, you know, energy. Mm -hmm. Wait, she couldn't survive this. Like she wasn't gonna last long anyway. But it's like, come on, like even what if they had two weeks together and it was the real her? You know, like like, Uh, and these questions. Uh, these questions I enjoy in fiction. Like this is uh, in the current X Men series. Like like uh, like there's a huge per- uh, percentage of X Men comic fans are flipping the fuck out because in the comics they're basically doing this where mutants are now immortal. Where um, if anyone's ever seen any of the X Men movies, uh, even if you're not a big fan, you've seen uh, Patrick Stewart pop on that big fishbowl yeah. and go in that <laughs> giant room. That thing's called Cerebro because they're not very creative and like like brain you know when when uh stan and jack created that in the 60s they didn't know a whole lot about it much but it was the mutant detection system and it's he can detect any mutant mind on the planet and over over the years and whatnot they've they've changed the story had this big retcon reveal spoilers for comics are at this point six months old but uh he the entire time he's been this goal has been not just to detect every mutant but to back up their consciousness on a computer so he has all of their minds, experiences, emotions, basically their souls backed up on a computer. And anytime any one of them dies, they can clone them. And then he pops their their consciousness back in their bodies. And it's to combat like their extermination at the hands yeah. of humans. They're like attempted genocide. Yeah. And like the, there's all these readers who are like, all my favorite characters are now dead. <laughs> <laughs> duplicates and blah 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 and i'm like okay i get that and the characters are even questioning like nightcrawler who was trained to be a priest and is catholic is like am i even me anymore like what does it mean and he's talking about it with cyclops just like you know honestly i get those questions but i feel so good right now like our status quo is so great we're in this mutant uh, country and we're all successful i don't really care like i, I just i'm happy you know and i don't really care if i'm the real me or a new me or whatever and they're posing those questions and it's just fascinating to see like readers who like cannot handle it. And part of me is like the pragmatist in me is like, no, Disney did not okay them murdering Wolverine forever. (laughs) 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 But, but, and part of me is like just reading the comics and trying to appreciate that the characters can ask those questions, but they're not, 
I'm not meant to wrestle with that because for one, it's just a comic book, but for two in one of them, uh, Valkyrie, uh, who's going to be the new star of, uh, the new Thor movie. Uh, she's currently Jane Foster, the character played by Natalie Portman in the films, uh, is, is a version of Valkyrie in the comics. And she, because they, their job is to bring people to death, bring their souls to the afterlife. She had to deal with death, having existential crisis. Cause both the Hulk, and the mutants are now constantly resurrecting <laughs> and death is and, and, don't even have a purpose anymore. <laughs> you know, and, and, and she had to talk to de- the death of death, like, like a, a specter. So <laughs> super silly. But like my, my point as a reader would be like, and the point I think they were trying to make with that story was this confirms that they're actual resurrections and not just clones. Cause death doesn't give a shit about, birth increases that's just more people yeah. to kill that's just more of its job death would only care about it being undone which doesn't happen with clones only with resurrection so for me it's like i don't even if i, I even before that issue came out i didn't wrestle with it because we never had a soul <laughs> you know like he's <laughs> just a character in a book but like it's just it is an interesting question and like this season and seeing it from the perspective of these characters, because it's not presented the same way, you know, like, yeah, I don't believe I'm intended to to think that that, uh, you know, Agnes is living forever in the in the Matrix as much as it just seems like she is, because if if they were intending that, then they really fucked up by not giving us back BJ Britt. <laughs> as <Trey>. I know. <laughs> and my, my last digression was everyone wa- uh, watch. A million little things. Uh, I've recommended it before on this show, but BJ Britt has a recurring guest role as like, like one of the biggest actors in Hollywood. Like he's like he's <laughs> supposed to be like a superstar, and he's so good and like such a good like his character is such a good person. Like there was a thing where you thought he was blowing off a guy and was like to- throwing a tantrum, being a total Hollywood dick, but he came back at the end of the episode and was like, oh, no, no, I care about my family, too. He's like, got to have priorities. And like he's like a, like a super good dude. And I was like, I love you, BJ Britt. <laughs> like, thank you, no. ABC, for using in something. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was a, there, there's a good uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. connection on, on uh, the last month's or so worth of uh, A Million Little Things. He's got a couple of appearances from BJ Britt. Oh. God, I miss him. <laughs> that was a heart. Oh, it's coming. It is. Just we're, a few episodes like, away. <laughs> yeah, we're like, what, four three. episodes into this third? Yeah. So, like, we're like well, three away from it? There's, so this, there's three, including this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. Um, So, let me finish this up really quick. Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, so, Daisy goes to meet Shockley, like, in the middle of the road, in the middle of the desert somewhere. And, and, um, uh, he, you know, she tries to stop him and realizes she can't stop him. And so he talks about like, I don't know, like being tired or exhausted or something like that. And so she's like, oh, good idea. And so she vibrates him in the opposite direction and vibrates him until he explodes and watches him reform over and over again. And so she's trying to wear him out. I guess it's, it, it's a, it takes a lot of energy to reform your body or something like that. So um, a bunch of cars show up and apparently it's a trap and Mace is like, I want to be the blocker on the football team. Yeah, his final football <laughs> metaphor. I know my role. Oh my god! My when role. he said, "I'm the blocker." Yeah. Like, oh so, god! Yeah. It, you, I simultaneously love him and was like, okay. I'm ready for you to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! But yeah, so he puts on the suit. He goes out there and he like 
jumps in front of the one of the SUVs and tries to stop it, and Fitz and Simmons just drive off. Um, <laughs> it's like, okay, all right, I guess they don't care. I, I guess he's gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, like, whatever. And so Mace injects himself with some of the serum. He tries to stop the cars. It doesn't go very well, and they surround him. And Ivanov captures him and he leaves Daisy and Chuckle. He's like, those two can like, you know, kill themselves together because they're inhumans. I don't care about them. And they leave with Mace. Um, and Fitz and Simmons come and uh, Fitz has this like device that can grab his particles or something and hold them in stasis or something. And so they go and uh, Shockley explodes and they go and grab his particles. So he's they just they just have him. He can't explode anymore. It's it's, it's <laughs> one of the it's I can't remember what they're called, but it's one of the things that they use in the Ghostbusters to collect the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> and so um Agnes meets Ada, and it's a little weird. Um Agnes is kind of like, oh, okay, cool. And Ada seems very like, oh, I don't know what's happening. Like this I this is this is this is the muse. Who am I? Like she's having, she is having like an identity crisis here. Um, and then uh, they put her into the framework. Um, and uh, oh, so this scene is Coulson. Coulson and Mac are on a Quinjet and Mac's like, dude, I'm sorry. Like, you know, we'll figure it out. And Coulson's like, oh no, we're still going to try to find May. Didn't you hear what Radcliffe said? He said that he is a subject that's alive and thriving in the, in the, in the framework that has to be May. So he is here. He, he's still on his, his quest. Um, well, very- I, I did like it cause it felt like a change cause he was dedicated to finding May before it did seem like because he didn't have that, glimmer of hope that that was maybe the cause of his missteps mm-hmm. of his uh, of possible. like him being down whereas like I, it felt like a little bit of like a like a turn in attitude where He's using Mac- his spy sense and his spy abilities in this case instead of just you know kind of throwing whatever out there and seeing if it yeah. sticks <laughs> yeah but b- yeah. before it felt like he was desperate and like willing like maybe lying to himself a little bit about whether or not she was okay like or what he knew just because he didn't want to think of the worst possibilities. But now that he has a reason to logically infer that she's fine, he's like actually going at it, like and taking it, taking it seriously and not, not, there's no denial portion of it anymore. Now he's just trying to attack the problem. I think even at the beginning of the episode, Matt kind of talks to Colson like, you have to be ready for the, you know, the probability that May is gone, you know, she might be dead. And, um, it's like we we go, you know, this is the very end of the episode and it's like, oh, well, now I don't have to worry about that. I guess you're right. I When I watched this, I kind of looked at this like an, as an eye roll moment of like, okay, Coulson's still being a fanatic about this. But I think you're right. I think that like he has like, I mean, it's not substantial because he doesn't know that he that Radcliffe was actually talking about May, but he he's using his his instincts and his intuition, which is usually right. Like Coulson is good at like having good intuition about things like this. And so I think that is one of his strengths and he's like playing off of that strength rather than just like being desperate <laughs> and just holding on to hope. This time he has hope for real. Oh, hope. Oh, that's going to hurt in a couple episodes. Anyway, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the very end scene, it's really clear that that's her name. Uh, the very end scene, Agnes is looking at paintings in the framework and this is where she dies. And uh, Ada is like, you know, that she was not 
meant to be sustained, you know, in this. And, and Radcliffe's like, no, it's okay. Uh, in the framework, her consciousness will live forever. And uh, this is where Ada takes Agnes's necklace. But she kind of seems a little jealous of her in a way, too, because Radcliffe is just, I don't know, his attention to her seems like Ada's like, well, I want that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Pin Pinocchio takes on a really creepy undertone and doesn't have if Geppetto had either a dead son who looked like Pinocchio or worse, a dead fiance. Who just like <laughs> well, maybe uh, that is the non-Dizzy Pinocchio. <laughs> Pinocchio is a terrifying movie, by the way. Um, the donkeys, the whale, all that shit is scary. So I absolutely believe that Pinocchio could be turned into this like horror flick type situation that Ada's path seems to be going down. <laughs> oh yeah, you can combine that with with Pet Cemetery pretty easy. <laughs> it's yeah. a reviving a dead kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we should end yeah. here. We we covered it a lot through the episode. So yeah, yeah, we did. Um, and more to come. Where can people find you? I could be found talking about X Men and Shield and. Uh, very little else because politics are so upsetting right now uh, uh, on I Snow Nothing uh, on Twitter and a few other things. Where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me at uh, Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. I almost forgot my username. Um, <laughs> and you can find me talking about cats and food. A little bit of politics. Trying to stay away from Star Wars from right now because it's just a mess. Um and you can find this podcast at Project Tahiti on Twitter. You can send us an email at projecttahitipod at gmail.com. Uh, we're on all the things. And if you're a browser listener, you can go to whythepodcast.com and listen there. Thank you all so much for listening to Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Catch you later. Bye. Bye.